G'day, it's James Baldwin here and welcome to another episode of Oz F1. An impassionate community based in Australia. We bloody love Daniel Ricardo, and we bloody love that you've joined us and in this studio with us today is a very special guest. But before we get to him, my co-host as always for Oz F1 is Thomas J. Camp. Campy, a very good evening to you. Welcome back to the country. How was your little trip to the United States? It was amazing. It was everything I needed it to be. Um, but, yeah, it's good to be back. It's definitely good to be back. I decided very quickly that I could not live over there. So, Well, it's good to have you back. Much to your... Delight uh, to have you back. And in the studio, we've spoken, uh, we've done a lot of shout-outs, I should say, to you, mate. A uh, big welcome to the podcast, Tommy T. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello, mate. And thank you for the use of your lounge room to watch the Chinese Grand Prix. And indeed, it is only an hour after the end of the race uh, of China. It's the 14th of April and we're going to get into it, gentlemen. Uh, First thoughts of the race. It's uh, for the thousandth race of Formula One. It was pretty bloody boring. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bit anticlimactic for me. It promised a lot and... Nothing really happened. The start was – the first lap was a quite exciting. Mm. Perez made that run and he was pressuring both the Renaults and I think Danny – oh, no, Verstappen and uh, Gasly had a good little battle but after that nothing really happened. It was Everyone kind of settled into their spot and – just around a really boring race. We didn't see anything near the excitement that we saw last year. No. And I'm sort of a bit sad already to say that, and we sort of commented this during the race, that it looks like that the Constructors' Championship is pretty much deciding itself here and now for at least first, uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, obviously probably a little bit of wiggle room. Um, But realistically, Mercedes are looking incredibly strong and – Hamilton is just doing it to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. three races on the trot, one, two. That's a, as good as a start as you could ever want it. I didn't yep. think it would happen. No. Um, especially after the first test in Barcelona. Well, It, w- <laughs> it would have been inconceivable for it to happen. But Let's go through the race uh, almost lap by lap, but um, I want to start by saying that whoever was directing the TV footage clearly used to be the strategist for Renault <laughs> with Daniel Ricciardo in Bahrain because they suck at their job just as much as that person did if they still have a job, which is yes, very surprising. I've never seen such a poorly broadcast race within the last 10 years. Terrible. It was horrific. Anyway, I hope you never the bits we saw were again. Interesting. China. I've kind of felt a little bit nauseous just watching it because the camera kept panning down the main straight. Anyway, that's okay. So you're useless. Good. Moving on. Uh, the torpedo is back. Welcome back, Danny <laughs> Torpedo Kvyat. Uh, At the same place where he got his nickname in the first place. Correct. And this time really unfortunate for the McLarens. Oh, I'm a big fan of Lando, as we all know, on this podcast. And he's just he's, – he's buggered Lando. He's buggered Carlos as well. But um, – we, we, I didn't think it was as bad. Mm. It's a racing incident. That's what it was called. Yep. But come on, Danny. I mean, I quite like you, but you've now you've put me offside because you've hurt one of my favourite drivers and I'm not biased at all. I'm a Kvyat fan. I'm, I'm on him. You uh, would be. I like I him. like science. So I was really annoyed that he got sideswiped and uh, taken out innocent bystander again. He's had no luck this season, to be honest. I think the problem was is that 
Kvyat locked the front and just drifted too wide yeah. and left no room. And once Signs had backed off from his battle with Lando, that's what caused mm-hmm. him to collide. And Lando was off the track coming back in. Yeah, it was. Just no track left. But unfortunately, Kvyat's done this way too often mm. in his career. So moving on. Interesting from him. But uh, look, and you were saying at the time, oh, it's not really his fault. It's not really his fault. Yeah, well, I think that's because I like him. Can you, can you stop being so bloody biased, please? Also, <laughs> just as a side note, how good is Daniel Ricciardo? Uh, yeah. He's probably the best driver in the world, prove me wrong. Um, also, uh, just as a result of the uh, little incident that Danny caused, uh, we had Thug Life Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Someone please take a photo of that, that and mean uh, it. That was... Incredible. Not only are you a marshal, you've got a hoodie on and sunglasses in overcast sort of conditions and you're running on the track and, yeah, of course you missed a bit that you had to run back to because you can't see anything because you've got too many things going on around your face. I do believe you had some uh, Adidas three stripes on too. So I don't know. I mean, and a bum bag. Classic. <laughs> classic sponsor. Hey, let's talk about uh, lap 11. Um, We're starting to (laughs) – it's funny, Bahrain, we're talking that Ferrari did not have a number one and number two driver and Charles is looking pretty mint here. But then suddenly they're on the radio and saying in no uncertain terms, look, if you're not going to pick your pace up, mate, Seb's going to overtake you. Pretty blunt. Yeah. We're doing team orders in race three on lap 11. And it's not like Vettel passed him and took off up the road either. No. no. Anyway, I think their pace was pretty relative together. I think it says a lot about the culture within Ferrari, doesn't it? Mm. You know, they're going through team principles pretty quickly. We're talking about Alonso during the race as well in terms of, you know, his, his pace was great in a car that wasn't really the best on the grid and they still got sick of him. And he eventually fell out of favour with them, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly nothing. Anyway, it, interesting for Ferrari. I, look, I really hope that they sort of bring some pace back because honestly, they we need to have something this year that sees the mid pack fighting, which they already are really, really well. Uh, but at the front, Mercedes are just running away. Red Bull's kind of doing some things, and obviously, Stappen's doing some things. Um, <laughs> is that the sound of a whipping boy I hear in the <laughs> distance? Let's talk about uh, Gasly. Uh, uh, Look, it's good that he qualified in P6. I think he needed to qualify in yep. above it, the rest, mm-hmm. the mid-packs. But he was 50 seconds off for Stappen by the end of the race. And over a race distance, that's a second a lap he's losing. Yeah. That is it's – it's get, it, get it together. It's not good enough. And even Martin Brundle on Sky FM was talking about there's already conversations going on about who's going to replace Gasly at Red Bull. And he, he was even mentioning Alexander Albon, mm. which I've said a few times is his potential replacement. Kvyat might not go back. I, who knows? Very interesting. I, like, I mean, he did get the fastest lap, but that was with fresh rubber, mm-hmm. with no one in front of him because he bloody was that far behind his teammate. Yep. Uh, and even still, he only just got the fastest lap. Like, I don't know. He If he's near anyone, he seems pretty useless, to be honest. He just doesn't have that. Killer instinct that they need at Red Bull. I, I just don't think you get that many chances at Red Bull. Well, we saw it with Daniel in a top team. You don't get it. You yeah. just 
you get he'll get half a year, and if he continues to perform like this after another four races, I don't think that they should keep him around. I think they should throw the sink at Ocon, get him out of his Mercedes contract, and put Max Verstappen v Ocon. And what, what could possibly go wrong? Mm. I mean, we're but still that's waiting. What, that's what we want to see as fans, right? We're still waiting for that phone call from Christian Horner for you about how to run Red Bull, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, I'm sure now listening to this, as he does, and shout out to you, Christian, for being a regular listener yeah. for Oz F1. I don't Thank mess with the Austrians, mate. Dietrich's got but it. Back yeah. to back to Albon. He started in the pit lane, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, and got all the way up to 10th, which is bloody ridiculous. Very strong race. Um, so he's shown that he's definitely up to scratch. and The one-stop too. On a one-stop. That's it. So he was running on the same tyres pretty much for what we reckon 40-something laps. And he killed it. It was fine. Um, Held yeah. off Grosjean at the end yeah. as yes. well, which was... The Haas weren't showing themselves very well. Okay, so Gasly not really doing much for Red Bull again. Third race in. What? When are we going to have some serious conversations about who's going to replace him, do you think? I probably think after Monaco, if he's still performing. If as I said, I don't think he gets more than 10 races to prove himself. Half the year. Half the year indeed. Well, we'll see what happens with uh, Red Bull. Let's talk about uh, Renault, who's uh, next in the line. Uh, it's a shame, again, for Nico Hockenberg to, to drop out of the race. But certainly I'm bloody excited the fact that Daniel has – well, he's qualified seventh and he's finished seventh. It's a bit of a nothing race for him. He's sort of a little bit in no man's land for a long time there. But realistically – you know, we need him to get these kind of points. We need to show that he is going to be consistent in the car. And Campy, you even said this before, just at the end of the race, that this is really the place that he's going to be finishing for the rest of the year, sixth and seventh. Yep. And he needs to consistently be racing at sixth and seventh and finish in those positions and beat Hulkenberg every race for him to further his career. Yeah, his goal should be... And whether whether or not Renault become a top team in the next couple of years by 2021, not really too sure how that will all unfold, although it is going to be an exciting off-season for driver transfers when we get there. But that's what Danny Rick needs to do at the moment. He just needs to dominate Hulkenberg. Exactly. Be the number one driver and then capitalise when there's opportunities in races that something happens up the front and he can sneak up. Get a few places. Absolutely. Yep. And I said this to you before, we were talking about qualifying yesterday in the fact that I would rather Daniel qualify, in, well, get into to Q3 and qualify somewhere in that top 10 because he races better when he's around people. And we saw that in the opening lap with Gasly. He was given just a slightly better angle out of two. He would have been there. I think he should have taken a dive bomb down into three because he had it. But it's almost like he relaxed his – because he is a smart driver, he's not – he doesn't see red when he's, he's behind. not a kamikaze. No, he doesn't see red when he's behind the wheel. And I think he knew he wasn't racing the Red Bulls and he thought, yeah. like, let's just position the car, get a good exit. Because well, he's under he fire that. from Perez as well. He was, but, I mean, let's be honest, he is probably freaking out a little bit after Australia. Mm. He, he's cognizant of the fact that he doesn't want to – keep making silly mistakes. I think he'd rather finish seventh that or eighth. That wasn't his mistake. No, I know. But, you know, finishing sixth or seventh is better than not finishing at all. Mm. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, this is the first race that he's finished in Renault. Yeah. And mm. I think he definitely had the upper hand on Hulkenberg, especially in race pace today, mm-hmm. which is the first time we've seen it this year, I think. 
in Bahrain, yep. the strategy, but yeah. Yeah, I think this weekend he was definitely on top of Hulkenberg, whereas in Bahrain it wasn't it wasn't as clear cut. As Do you think today. he would have raced better on a two stop? Um, I don't think so. So everyone that finished above him was a two stop. That's the thing. So do you reckon? He but he wouldn't have... have made up any time anyway. They're losing yeah. too much time to Gasly, who mm. was, who was the you know the the back of that. The back of the top pack. Mm. And I don't think they opted to go for the two-stop because they were concerned about Raikkonen behind him and Perez. Mm. Perez had a really good race, actually. Yeah, let's talk about Racing Point. I was going to say Racing Point Force India. There it is again. We should have some (laughs) sort of bloody kangaroo court at the end of this this bloody season. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Racing Point. So Perez finishing eighth, um, scoring four points, which is good for him. He... Had a pretty good race. Had a great start. He jumped a few spots early yep. and then he made made up four positions on the first lap. Yeah, really Incredible. good. Incredible. Incredible. Let's talk about the car itself. Obviously, now that they're not going – well, the threat of going into receivership is doing well for them. Stroll. Mm, he still hasn't made out of Q1. You know, it's – well, that, this is the thing, right? So you, you've got – Scored points in Melbourne, got unlucky in Bahrain. Yeah. And His race was over in the first lap in Bahrain. Today, mm-hmm. didn't really see much of him, though he didn't qualify well. We didn't see much of anything really because of the bloody race director. The, <laughs> not the race director, but the broadcast director. <laughs> Gee, I can, yeah, anyway. Uh, so a, a good car. We've got a good motor in the back of it. Obviously, they're doing some good things inside. Are we looking at, realistically, if, if Stroll can sort his life out, potentially a team who's going for fifth? I think they're right there with Haas. Come on, I'm, Campy. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I would have said McLaren's behind Renault at the moment and then Haas and then Racing Point. But it's so mm. even, as you see. Well, and even the, the times, as well. The times in qualifying oh, yeah. between that mid-pack, it was like half a second between mm. eighth and sixteenth. It was, it was super tight. So, and the tracks will... Sorry, the cars will be dependent on the tracks when they go there. Mm. Different characteristics will drive really well. McLaren's look pretty competitive up until this stage. Well, this this track this year. did not suit them, did it? No, but I think I read an article that said China's exposed all our negative points in the car. Mm. So, but China's pretty unique in terms of the the circuit. We're not going to really have anything like it again until Silverstone, maybe. I think you're right, yeah. In terms of fast, got, big, fast corners. We've got some long straights coming up next next round. We do. That's exciting as well. Okay, so for, you know, for Cindy Racing Point, we're doing – they're doing okay. Stroll letting the team down. We're not really, you know, surprised by that. Um, it'll be fine. I think he's going to be around for a long time and we need to get used to it. Well, it has to be. He's still young. The kid can drive <laughs> and he's – Choney can drive. He's not going to get Checo every week. But Checo's not top line. I would put them in the same category. Checo's mm. not a top. He just had a good race. Yeah. And he's got some money behind him as well. Hey, let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Uh, Kimi, our boy, doing some great things, finishing ninth, which is great, scoring two points for the team. Fantastic. Jeez, uh, he drove bloody well, didn't he? Mm. They've got good race pace, yep. And he's he's red rag to a bull. He is. Quite, quite literally finishing the race, trying to be red rag in front of a bull. Yep. At least a mini bull. Yep. Mini bull, junior bull. Anyway. It's a shame to see him so far back. I don't like it. I 
much prefer him to see him up the front. Well, I mean, it's in, almost impossible for him to be there now, isn't it? He this may is as well be in Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari have clearly Look, I said shown this. us today what their intentions are with their drivers. Why wouldn't you give Leclerc another year? Yeah. No, the in thing Sauber is, and keep Kimi where he was and keep the fans happy. The thing is, if you're paying Vettel that much more than you're paying Leclerc, realistically, from a business point of view, you're going to put the guy who you're paying more in a higher position mm-hmm. with a better chance in the long run of winning the world championship if something happens drastically to Mercedes, like Kvyat taking both of them out I just think <laughs> Vettel, the next four races or something. Vettel's been there, what, four years now? Four, yep. This is his fifth season? Mm-hmm. And he's driven really well mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Last year when they had a car that could win the championship, they lost it. The year before, at the mid-season point, it was looking pretty tight and Ferrari threw it away. At some point, Ferrari's going to start falling, letting Vettel fall out of favour with them in the hierarchy somewhere. And yeah. look, again, I've said this before, I don't think the culture in Ferrari is uber supportive of their drivers. You know, it's a – we are a race-winning team. We're a championship-winning team. Which hasn't done it for a long time. Haven't done it for a long time. Since but pedigree. But the, since Kimmy, but the, the pedigree is there, absolutely. But the, my point is I just don't think they – like Williams is struggling with management at the moment. I don't think Ferrari are good at supporting their drivers. Mm. And you see them burn out and you see them move to the side. And They're Alonso disposable. a good example of that. Yeah, they kind of – well, usually while you're good, very much like the, maybe the Patriots or those kind of teams where it's like, well, you're useful, you're here, but yeah. as soon as you're done, we'll trade you off and get something back. And it's a great analogy, mate. Yeah, bring someone else that's useful in. And, yeah. and you look at Toto, he is an incredible supporter of his drivers. He does not make Lewis feel better than Valtteri. He does not make Valtteri feel worse than Lewis. And he, and he, he really helped, I think, Valtteri pull himself out of the rut that he found himself at the end of last year. And when you've got a supportive leader like that, you're going to have a team who rallies around you and rallies around your drivers to do the absolute best that they can. Culture, right? Culture. It sets the tone. And huge. Toto is the man that sets the tone right through that team. And you know what? He was setting the tone at Williams before he went to Mercedes and that's when they were winning races. Yep, Absolutely. I think the testament to that is that Ocon has signed on there because he's like, well, I want to be here yeah. even if I'm not in a car. And it makes a huge difference. Okay, so let's – Sorry, let's get back on track. What were we talking about? Let's talk about – well, we are talking about Afro Mayo. Yeah, that's and, right. And I want to talk about Giovinazzi for, for a second. He finished 15th. Uh, not really much going on for him except for the fact that he was the crash comparison to Albon for a while when he crashed out uh, when he was racing for – Sauber when they were in back in blue and in the back of the pack. Again, not really much from him. I don't really rate him as a driver, to be honest. I didn't, th- didn't qualify, so it's... I'm going to say it again. Mick Schumacher's going to take his seat next year. Not- I, I don't know enough about him to, to make a calculated comment on it. It's a podcast, mate. Just take a punt. I think you're probably right. I think Good. at some point... <laughs> A team is going to roll out the red carpet for Mick Schumacher, whether it's next year or the year after. Yep. Who he knows? qualified first at Bahrain in the F2, didn't he, Mick? Yeah. Look, so he's, he's up there. His talent's there. He's driving the right car in F2. That helps. <clears throat> like he would – He's know, driving Premier. Like he'd be driving in the right car in Formula 1. Okay, so Alfa Romeo scoring a couple of points is two points with uh, ninth for Kimi this time around. Let's talk about Toro Rosso. Uh Alexander Albon, we'd spoke to him, spoke to him, spoke 
about him just before about him as a potential replacement for Gasly going into Red Bull. I look, I rate him. I think he's quite humble. You know, when we were out of Melbourne and we saw him talking to the press and, and he made a couple of mistakes the first time out, he was very open about going, look, I'm just getting used to this thing. Like it's very different to where I was to where we are now. And I think having that that attitude of being pretty humble with how you're doing it, but being pretty consistent. I mean, again, he's starting from in the pit and he's finishing in the points. Mm. I mean, it's huge. And even to that, he was on the press and he said he's he knew he mucked up. He was in third practice and he's like, I was just trying to see where the limit was and probably shouldn't have done that on the last turn, should have waited till qualifying to, to push to the limit. So he admitted his own fault. He's like, there's nothing wrong with the car. We were really happy with pace, but I mean, he knew he stuffed up and I think admitting that and not blaming anyone else or being frustrated shows, yeah. I think Toro Rosso's got a good car. Yeah. They've got a good package in relation to the midfield teams this year. Um, so I don't want to jump the gun and say he's, an, he's all this and all that because we got an understanding last year that Pierre Gasly was the the next big, big thing with some of his results and that that's turned out to not be the case. I think Kvyat's out-qualified him twice. Yep. Twice. Um, I think Kvyat, we haven't really seen his pace this year, but Album drove great today. I think Kvyat is driving. Driver of the day. Mm. Got Absolutely. loaded. Yep. He was great result for him. It's the a confidence is, booster. The thing is what I'm concerned about for Albon, if he does get put into Red Bull, that almost like Charles, you've got a really fast acceleration into a very fast car and Gasly's really having this pressure put on, on him now with where he's sitting after, you know, two full seasons in, in a Toro Rosso. I think Albon's in the... I think Albon's in the best spot of the four mm. Red Bull drivers, apart from Verstappen, because he is he's good and he's going to be around for a long time. But he's the first year driver. Yep. Gasly's promised the world and failed to deliver. Mm-hmm. Kvyat, they've bought him back for whatever reason because they obviously believe in Kvyat. And Albon, he's the fourth driver in this team. He's got no pressure, and Red Bull are going to protect him this year and next year. And then they'll make the decision about what his future holds if he mm. performs. And they're not going to hang him out to dry. He's in the best – I think he's in the best position of all the Red Bull drivers at the moment. And he just – no pressure. Keep doing what you're doing, mate. Yeah. You'll be fine. It's uh, – yeah. It's it's nice to see some limited pressure on a Toro Rosso driver, unlike Brendan, uh, which, you know, I feel really, really sad for him, but he's still doing great things uh, in – in some other great cars. All right, let's talk about Haas and their lack of pace in China. Uh, Grosjean, lack of race pace. Lack of race pace. Grosjean out, uh, out finishing Magnussen, which is – it's good for Grosjean to, to beat K-Mag. Uh, Grosjean 11th, Magnussen 13th, Stroll in the middle of those two cars. Just wasn't doing it for them this time around, was it? Nope. There's something fundamentally wrong with that car when it comes to racing, keeping the tyres in the optimum temperature range. Maybe they overcooked them a bit, mm. but that falls off really quickly. Mm. We good. saw them They're not good. even attempt in Q3. They yeah, were trying what? to save tyres or I think someone had a had a lock-up and they were just trying to save some fresh rubber, but they didn't even attempt. They are just like, oh, we'll take ninth, 10th. Yeah. Which is probably a good result for them really. Yeah. True. It's uh, – look, it, I think it's a shame for Gunter. We were just talking 
uh, a little bit earlier about Gunther. how much what a of, guy. how amazing he is as a team principal and the fact that the reason Haas exists is because he had a dream and he, he went and found the money and you yep. know started the team himself. It probably look, it might even have something to do with the fact that all of these other teams are have factories where they're building components themselves. Haas outsource well they have employees at within these these places, but they're outsourcing almost everything. Yep. And so it's probably really hard to have that quality control to bring everything together on race day. When you're doing one or two laps in qualifying, it's very different to having that longevity. Yeah, I think they've got some financial, like some significant financial burdens, a bit like Williams type of budget, about $125 million to operate the team for the year. Yeah. And their strategy has been up until now, we're just going to bolt on as much as that Ferrari car as they will will give us mm-hmm. and we'll figure out the rest as we go. But as a long-term strategy in their first three years, it's not a bad one. Look, it's bloody good. Until they get good. all the infrastructure in place. I don't even think they'll ever go down that path, to be honest. I think that they're doing a good enough job as they are in this setup. And if they can make it work, and I think Good is one of those good, great leaders like Toto, slightly different, but like Toto to, to, to bring them all together and be the leader they need. I just think, you know, I don't think Grosjean's going to be here after this season, which is, well, look, I mean, I say that, but, you know, he's, he's out-qualified, he outperformed K-Mag, I should say. So... I disagree. I think Grosjean at times has made some dumb, dumb mistakes and he's got that reputation, a bit like the Kvyat reputation. But when he was driving for Lotus... Oh, yeah. When him and Kim, he was consistently on the podium and pressuring Red Bull for good results. Mm. And he's been in F1 for a long time now. I don't think he's a driver that you let let go. And it's, let's get real, it's not like Magnussen has been dominating him. They're, not pretty, this season. they're pretty closely matched. Qualifying's always tight. I th- I'm pretty sure Grosjean's out qualified him at least twice this year. So I, I disagree. Good, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, look, we'll see what happens. I just, yeah, anyway. Okay, let's talk about McLaren. Uh, signs finishing 14th and Norris uh, pulling the pin. We were talking a little bit earlier again about Carlos and that we quite like Carlos. I think he's, he's a great driver. He's got good mentoring from his dad as well, obviously, in, in how to, you know, really play the entire situation. Uh, and he's done that well stepping out of... Uh, Toro Rosso to Renault to McLaren now. I think McLaren are on the up. Certainly he's going to be there. I believe he's going to be there for 2021 with the regs change. And, you know, McLaren launching their Indy car with, with Alonso, that, that's a bit of a nice distraction for them in terms that of... car look good too. And it looks fan, bloody fantastic. Yep. Really, really good. You know, I, I really hope Alonso can bring it home because wouldn't that be great for McLaren to have a victory there? It'd be great for Alonso mentally as well to have that kind of win under his belt. Yep. But more over for the team, this is showing that, you know, they haven't been in Indy for such a long time. So they've designed a, a car basically for Fernando to drive. If they can put something together that wins the bloody race, you're showing that the team is really capable of making a great car. Given new regulations in 2021, we might see them up towards the front. Maybe not with Renault Power, but, you know, it, it, certainly the car itself might perform really well. Yeah, I think... Um Science has been unlucky this year. DNF in Aussie engine failure. What happened in Bahrain? 
he fell off with Verstappen as a little. That's right. That's his race compromise. And then today, I mean, that's I don't. Just unlucky. <laughs> absolutely. So he needs some luck. Um, but he needs. It's a bit of a non-event day for them. Mm. I don't think they would have scored in the points anyway. No, and they didn't really have a great qualifying either. But he needs some luck. Yeah. Let's uh, finish talking about uh, Williams, shall we? Uh, congratulations to them for not finishing all the way at the back of the pack. I mean, they did, but they didn't finish 19th and 20th for a change, which is nice. Hey, George Russell again outperforming Kubica. Are we really surprised? Um, look, I really don't know where to stand on this because they tested, I think it was Kubica's car after Bahrain. You were telling me this time. Yeah, so both drivers um, drove his car after Bahrain and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. So they're still struggling to figure out what is – so from what Campy said, that they're running two completely different cars almost, trying to figure out some stuff for this year, get get some, um, I don't know, inside information and maybe leapfrog back up a bit. But they're just scratching their heads, it seems, at Williams. I think, I think Williams has invested a lot of money in Russell and he's going to be the one that gets – the best of the equipment and Kubitz is making up the numbers and he'll just be there to, mm-hmm. as a glorified test driver, which yeah. is sad. Yeah, he shouldn't have come back. I said it last week and I'm going to stand by it. Well, that is China. That's the standings of, of where we are. Final thoughts, gents, on the race and what we're looking forward to the next time around. Uh, I wish wish it was a bit more exciting uh, in China, to be honest. Yep. Um, Looking forward to next race. Hopefully we can see more from Danny Rick. Um, maybe slide up to a fifth or a fourth or something, be a bit more competitive. I want to see him overtake people, to be honest. Like, I don't think we've seen him aggressively drive against someone this season so far, so that's probably what I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, I'm, I'm just – there's not much to look forward to. I hope Mercedes don't want to do it again, but I, I can't see them being outperformed. Not the way it's gone this year. I'd like to see Verstappen get on the podium because as much as he drives me mental, I actually really like him. As much as he's my arch enemy last year, I actually I like Max. I think he's quick and I hope he's the one to ruffle some feathers in the top order. Well, you would. You're that kind of person. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> well, as we go towards Azerbaijan, we've got uh, Lewis Hamilton outperforming Valtteri Bottas by six points and Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, Kimi Raikkonen, Lando Norris, Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo tying for 10th in the standings. Constructors, we've got Mercedes way out in front of 130 points, Ferrari behind at 73, Rebel Racing at 52, Renault 12, tying with Alfa Romeo, Haas at eight, McLaren at eight, Racing Point at seven, Toro Rosso at four, and Williams at zero. Will we see our first podium and indeed race win for Daniel Ricciardo in Azerbaijan? As always, can only hope. hope. <laughs> hey, uh, gentlemen, it's really been awesome to watch the race and record the podcast so quickly afterwards. Thank you for your time. And, Tommy, thank you for being a guest, which means next time when you're on, it's permanent fixture. Thank Ooh. you for joining us. Thanks and this is me. why we started a podcast, really, because me and James were sick of talking about F1 by ourselves, and the whole goal of it was to get other people involved as well, and this is what it is, really. 
this, we is, love it. this is why we do what we do. So we've got, got, got a lot of tragic. We've got, a, <laughs> we've got our eye on a few other people as well. And they'll be tapped on the shoulder shortly. And indeed, if you've loved this podcast, please subscribe, throw us a, uh, a comment and please rate it five stars. We'd love to get in front of more people. And if you've got something to add or you'd like to, to chuck us a question or even a shout out for, for the next episode, please do so. Instagram at OzF1, that's A-U-S-F-1, and on Twitter at OzF1 Official. Gentlemen, again, thank you for your time. We will see you in Azerbaijan in two weeks' time.